Welcome aboard. You are listening to Space Cadets. We are your hosts, Sinead and Kat, and we hope you'll launch into the mental health space as Bezos approves. Okay, so welcome back to Space Cadets. Um, We'd just like to start off with an acknowledgement of country. So we're currently, I think we're all in Canberra at the moment, so we're meeting on Ngunnawal and Nambri land. We'd like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and this land will always be and always will be, always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Okay, so today we're talking about ADHD and we also have a special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself, Chanel? Hi, I'm Chanel. I... How did we meet, Kat? <laughs> it was like we... at a college event and then we went clubbing afterwards and then we just kept bumping into each other on the nights out. Yeah, um, it was at an ex-resi night. I think I was running around taking photos of people and everyone was asking me if I was still at Bruce. And I was like, the fuck, have you ever seen me around Bruce? <laughs> and they were like, actually, no. And they're like, why are you an ex-resi taking photos? And I'm like, I don't want to be tied down to any one group. And I just want to like vibe. And we both had the best dance moves that night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like every friends. night we go out, we have the best <laughs> yeah. dance moves. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> In case you needed a refresher, I am Sinead. I use she, her pronouns. Um, Kat? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm Kat. I use she, they. And I think Chanel uses I she, use they. she they, well. Yeah. yeah. Both she, they's. She, she babies. Um, but yeah, so we all have ADHD. That's <laughs> this is the one you've all been waiting for. This is like the reason. I remember Kat when we were first like talking about this. This was like the reason we decided to, decided to start like a mental health podcast was like kind of around ADHD, like very much because like yeah. at the time I remember like, you know, like I only got my diagnosis last year. Like we'll move obviously into diagnosis a bit more like later, but I only got my diagnosis last year. So like when we started talking about this early this year, it was very much something that was quite fresh for me. Um, and-, and I had only gotten mine, I think around the time that we started talking about it. Because <laughs> um, I was just ADHD memes are a little bit too relatable and that's scary. And the DSM-5 criteria made me realize things about my childhood that I thought was quirky, but I just wasn't quirky. I'm not a quirky person. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, sorry, just on that note, my mom called me the other day and don't get me wrong, I love my mom to death. And like every other diagnosis that I've had, she's been like super accepting, like super accepting, like super responsive. And she's been like, yeah, you know, I'm on it. We'll get you what you need. But like, it took her a while to come around to the idea of ADHD. Um, She was like, I don't think you have it. And it was like the first time that she's ever said anything like that. I was like, okay, right. I'm going to cry. It's fine. Um, But this reminds me of my mom. (laughs) Yeah, same. Oh, yeah. Sorry to jump in there. I was talking to her on the phone yesterday and she was like, I was reading the ADHD criteria and I was thinking that a lot of it's very, very relatable. But then I was like, you know what? I'm just special. And I'm like, mom. <laughs> it's okay to have ADHD. And I think like a lot of it comes from the stigma, which we'll talk about in part two. So this will be part one of our whole thing. Yeah. Um, we remembered that we were supposed to be yeah. doing half an hour episodes. Um, 
we've given up on that we're like <laughs> fuck you we're just gonna talk as long as we want to talk um especially now that we get to do it on zoom yeah and just put it on spotify we don't really have to pay attention to time slots yeah but we do have a time, time slot, slot for an hour anyway like yeah. if it was in the studio but yeah like my mom was very much the same um i was filling out the questionnaire for like the pre-questionnaire that you do before your initial appointment. Yes. Um, didn't send them in before my appointment because I forgot and I just didn't know that that was something you should do. So <laughs> I just send it in afterwards, which I eventually did. But while I was filling it out, I was asking my mom questions about like, hey, did I do this when I was younger just to double check that like the childhood stuff was legit? And she said, yeah, but that doesn't mean you have ADHD. I'm like, having it like doing these things and having those symptoms is ADHD. So not acknowledging that I have to do this. <laughs> yeah. And she's just like, that's not you with ADHD. That's just you being you, like you being quirky. And I'm like, me being quirky is me with ADHD. <laughs> those things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. And just be and she was worried that getting a diagnosis of ADHD would be a terrible thing. And I'm like, the problem is that what I'm experiencing, the symptoms I'm experiencing are already debilitating enough that I need to go and get a diagnosis. The diagnosis doesn't add more symptoms to me. It just makes me identify my 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 situation and be able to go, oh, that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was I just had a thought. It was like, I feel like we're gonna have trouble trying to not speak over each other. <laughs> like this entire thing. So I wonder how long it will go for. But yeah, um, I've had like the similar experience with like, I guess being anxious that I don't have it. Like definitely like being gaslit into thinking that I don't have it and thinking I'm like perfectly normal. But um, I I think like um, after I started getting on medication and seeing like the effects of it, um, my parents were very more, like very much more accepting to it because they saw like me actually being, more functional as a person I guess like being able to regulate my emotions and like just everyday life um and being more capable of doing so I think um like it's definitely <clears throat> like a long progress until like your parents come around the corner yeah and, like acknowledge that so yeah, yeah. But, I don't know. Yeah, like especially with ADHD, I think medication has been a really validating factor. When I first started, I was like, I had no idea your mind could be this empty. <laughs> no, like a hundred percent. I when I like first, so my friend got diagnosed like with ADHD before I did, or like we got diagnosed at, like a similar time. But like long story short, I've been on like incorrect medication for a lot of other like mental health things that I've got going on so when I actually first saw a psychiatrist he was like what the fuck um <laughs> he was like looking at like my current dosage of like medication that I was on for like depression and shit like that he was like this is so wrong like we're gonna need to sort this out first um so my friend was like medicated for ADHD before me and he was like do you want some like ADHD meds and I was like on the side yes I do um and so I was like the first time I ever like gave in and like took ADHD meds like I, like I'd gotten up quite a stockpile because he'd been like giving them to me and I hadn't been using them and I like st I, I took a bunch I was like well not all at once but like I started like taking them when I had like yeah anyway so and I was like 
I'd see my friends take like ADHD medicine like recreationally before and I was like this is so boring like my head is just empty I literally had that experience as well like this is why I was like oh yeah I should definitely get tested for this because I tried like ADHD medications recreationally and this like it didn't do much to me (laughs) this is boring like bouncing off the walls and I'm like I, I feel calm right now. This is fine. <laughs> like I am, I, I'm sitting here. Um, yeah, like, like I feel like I'm gonna go to sleep or something. Like <laughs> me and my friend, like I don't know, me and my friend both had like some ADHD meds before. We like we had like this massive essay due. Like we were for like different courses, but we both had like three thousand word essays due. And we both like sat down, and I like did it in like a normal time frame, and she was just like fucking bouncing off the walls, and I was like, "Is this what functioning feels like? Like yeah. I've never been here before." <laughs> yeah so I've never taken them recreationally or tried to but um when I first started my brain was so empty it felt like I had no thoughts I had no thoughts running through my head and I was like how do I talk and it was so hard to like talk to people and have conversations because I would just stand there and be mute and just be like I don't have anything to contribute there's nothing in here um and there's like one of the things that was on my test actually was like do you feel static in your brain? And I'm like, that's a thing. I thought that was just me because I would mention it every time to all my therapists that my brain always felt so staticky and noisy. And they would not say ADHD. They would just be like, I have no idea what the fuck that is. It could be your anxiety. I, so yeah, first of all, 100% agreed. Um, I know I'm kind of moving into like diagnosis story, but like that's very similar to like how I actually end up. <laughs> I think we are supposed to be yeah. <laughs> Um, I think this is like, yeah, anyway, um, very kind of similar vibes to that. I got my diagnosis like because in August last year, I had like, I was like super, super, like super struggling, right? Like I just moved back to Canberra. I was like in my, I was a little baby first year and like I'd missed my, you know, like, most of my first year because I'd gone home for like COVID and I'd just come back and I was like really struggling and I was like there's something else going on here like I don't know how else to put it I was like because I at that point I had diagnoses for like PTSD depression anxiety something else anyway but I was like there's something else going on here like I don't know what else but there's something else happening so I went to see like a doctor. I think I went to the health co-op at first and they were very unhelpful. Like no, no hate to the health help, no hate to the health co-op, but they just got booked up very fast and like it just wasn't helpful. Eventually I got referred to a doctor at Hobart Place, which he was very nice to me. Um, and I like went to see a, like a few different doctors and psychologists to like get a couple different opinions. The first thing that got brought up and I'm sure like, I'm not sure like, you know, this is something that can coexist with ADHD quite a lot, but it's also something that ADHD is misdiagnosed in women a lot. So I don't know if like, or like women presenting people a lot. So I don't know if this is something you guys have experienced as well, but the first thing that was suggested to me was bipolar. Um, BPD. <laughs> and the other thing that was suggested to me was BPD. Um, and ADHD was not even like, ADHD wasn't suggested to me until I went to see that final psychiatrist that diagnosed me. Um, and even then, you know, like I only got the referral to the psychiatrist because I said to my like treating psychologist who I still see, cause she's a G, um, I was like, Hey Sue, um, I think, ah, my Siri, that set off my Siri. Um, <laughs> I was like, hi Sue. 
um I think I might have ADHD and she was like all right let's like take out some like criteria and stuff like that and she talked me through it and she was like I think you might be right which is the first time I've ever had a therapist say that to me um, I was like you a G thank you um, um so she referred me on to like a psychiatrist and I ended up getting diagnosed but it took me a really long time to like wade through because like when I first like suggested that I was like something else is going on here I didn't think it was ADHD I was like I don't know what else it is like I'm going into this with no expectations but like kind of in the back of my head I was like it's probably like bipolar or something like that because like I have a lot of friends who have bipolar and you know like, I was like I don't do that you know <laughs> um but yeah so fun facts um a lot of misdiagnosis and sorry the point of this was I used to explain stuff like you know like I used to be like my head just feels so full all the time like I don't know how else to describe it it's just like when I like I, I refer to them to like my friends as like the speedy thoughts like because like when I like take medication it's like the speedy thoughts are like locked away and when I don't take medication it's like the speedy thoughts but it's, like, it's also like kind of staticky I don't know how to describe it it's just like thoughts it just feels thoughts go fast and, <laughs> yeah yeah um, and you know there's a lot there but you can't decipher any of it yeah and I said that to like the first doctor I saw and he was like <laughs> you on drugs <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah no so um yeah I mean we've all been there but you know misdiagnosis slash not wanting to diagnose ADHD in, in adult AFAB people is fucked yeah and the actual main reason why it happens is because primary research way back when they started creating the diagnostic criteria for ADHD they only looked at young boys <laughs> And that's why it's easier for AMABs to get diagnosed is because all the primary literature in on ADHD research is centered around men. There's like one or two that is centered around women, but a lot of the ones that claim to be centered around women or like female presenting people, um, look at them compared to men, look at them compared to boys. And that's why it is so hard for us to get diagnosed is because we don't present the same sort of things in the same way yeah like women also we get told to mark a lot because we have to be properly young ladies and shit yeah women are completely like socialized differently and mm. like there's a different there's different criteria that like an average woman um would like meet compared to like yeah anyways <laughs> <laughs> you want to go to your diagnosis story? Me? Okay. I also was recently diagnosed, but recent in terms of like last year, end of last year, um, I'd been seeing, like going to therapy and um, it was just something that oh, like I always kind of thought I had, but obviously my anxiety around it was like before going in to have my initial assessment was really bad because I kind of like, oh, what if I don't have it? And then I just waste like a bunch of money to get this assessed and stuff. But I think like, even so, like an assessment will give you closure on things. Like, <laughs> I think I like definitely got a lot of closure. And like, I, um, I think I'm more aware of like why I act or like do things in a particular way um, and like is out of the ordinary. Um, but yeah, um, I guess like 
what prompted me was because I like struggled so hard to start like reading words off a page like that it seemed like an impossible task um and like I just kept getting frustrated um a lot of the times when it came to like doing unit assessments and stuff or like meeting deadlines I would always just do it last minute like it'll always be last minute um and like no matter how hard I try to like organize in advance it's like it was just incredibly difficult for me to like get my shit together and like not not wait until the very last minute to feel anxious about getting it done and then doing it like that um yeah um I don't know what else I can say like <laughs> do you have any I don't know oh what about I go into mine and if you can think of things write them down in the chat and then you can talk about them as well but um my diagnosis story is a little bit different um it's more similar to Sinead's I really thought I was someone who was just really cool and quirky um <laughs> and I absolved this into my personality but like for the longest time, like looking back, I become more aware of, damn, this was like really evident, um, especially like during assessment time, like you said, I have a big problem with time blindness and I just lose track of time all the time so much. And I also misremember things, but really confidently. And that has really <laughs> thrown a spanner into the works. I've had so many assignments where I'm like, oh, I definitely know the due date. And I like double check, triple check, quadruple check, whatever, the due date. And I read it and I'm like, yes, this is the date. And I get it like a week out or a month out from the actual due date. And then I <laughs> I get like penalties because of it. But I've been managed, I've managed to like get special considerations for those and like retroactive extensions, which I would recommend to anyone who has time blindness, get retroactive extensions because they can work. Um, yeah time blindness is like a massive thing for me as well it's a massive thing for so many people you just wait sorry what what's the what are you guys talking about so time blindness is time blindness okay yeah i couldn't really yeah well we'll tell people who don't yeah it's basically not being able to keep track of time it's not knowing how much time has passed between certain things it's managing your time really badly because you just aren't aware of it oh yeah that's definitely me <laughs> which is why a lot of people with ADHD have a million and one alarms and timers on your phones mm. <laughs> I had to get rid of a thousand um alarms the other day <laughs> yeah. because there was too many like just on my phone and they all have little labels with them which I would recommend for people who started who struggle with time blindness exactly and some of them are like two minutes apart because like you had an appointment at a certain time so you had to write it down this is when my appointment time is and this is what it's for because you don't remember what the alarms are for but you know they're important yeah um, I've like I've had this like it's not exactly a new year's resolution because it's like September but I've had like a <laughs> lockdown resolution where like I've just said to myself like something that actually like I know it sounds dumb because a lot of ADHD people hate to-do lists but to-do lists really really help me and so I've like had this like lockdown resolution because like within lockdown I've really struggled because like there's just no direct consequences if I just don't 
do anything. Like I, at the moment, so I used to work like three days a week. At the moment, I'm only working one day a week because there's like a restriction on how often you can be in like the office because it's like, you know, essential worker vibes. Um, so like aside from Wednesdays, which is like the one day that I have to have like a normal human schedule, there's like no consequences if I just don't do what I would normally do until like it gets to the point where like I've got a tute and I haven't done the readings or listened to the lecture or anything. And so I've like, I've really struggled with like, not just time blindness, but also like, yeah, I I guess it's time blindness, but like on a bigger scale, I guess, like, you know, like say for example, I've got like two tutorials on Thursday. I know I'm working tomorrow and I know I'm working from like 8.30 to five. So like, it's going to be a big day. Um, and but I still haven't finished watching the lectures for that, even though my tutes are in the morning, just because I'm like, eh, there's because there's no like real consequences. Like, I just feel like it doesn't exist. And so I've like said to myself, I have to start writing to do lists and like writing one before I go to bed every day, because that's the other thing I really struggle with. If I don't have something to do when I wake up, I just won't get out of bed. Like, I don't know if that's like an ADHD thing or if it's just a personality thing, but like, it's like, if I don't have a reason to get out of bed, I will not, like, if I don't have a pre-structured idea of what I'm going to do with my day, I'm not going to be productive that day at all. And like, people are always like, like, I think it's an ADHD thing because I've tried to explain it to people before and they've been like, just do stuff, just get up and do stuff. And I was like, I can't. Yeah, it's so hard. I think like, (laughs) Um, sorry if I can oh, like, go ahead. Um, yeah I think a lot of the times like with um, ADHD medications as well they can kind of have an impact on like um, sleep so mm-hmm. I feel like around um, like because I'm on a slow release medication mm-hmm. so around the time when um, it gets like to the eight nine hour mark I just feel so like I'm gonna crash and burn and then Bedtime. like yeah, literally bedtimes now, like I won't wake up. Um, and then like, it will be like midday and I'll feel like, I feel like I just like exited from like a coma or like woke from a coma. Like it, it's so weird how much of a deep sleep I became when I started taking medication. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, also I feel like with a lot of ADHD people, we, I mean, at least us three in um, this podcast right now, like are also struggling with other mental health related issues so like getting out of bed is like it seems so simple but it's such like a everyday struggle and like it's just like the reality of like being mentally ill um like I don't know because like I've seen like this isn't just an ADHD thing because like I have a friend who does this and they have like bipolar and they do it as well but I tend to like I've realized that I tend to like function better when I have a lot to do so like I know that sounds like counterintuitive but like I if I like structure my time so I'm like super busy and I've got a whole lot to do and I just have to do it like there are consequences if I don't do it that's like the only way I'll do stuff if there's no consequences and I know I have time to do it later, I won't do it. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's like this really weird counterintuitive thing. Cause a lot of people always like to me, Oh, like, I, I don't mean this is a flex by the way. I am mentally ill, but a lot of people like to me, Sinead, you do so much. Oh my God. Like Sinead, you're so busy. Like, how do you do it? And I'm like mental illness in it. Like, <laughs> That's why hospitality is such an, a great industry. 
It's a shit industry, but it's no, like a great I'm, industry. Right? If you have ADHD, because you always have something to do. I've been trying to explain this to like, so I have an office job, right? And like pros of having an office job, decent hours, very good pay. Like I work in a good environment, but I'm one of those people as well who I like, since I've moved back to Canberra, like after COVID, there hasn't been a time where I haven't had two jobs. And like, I'm counting disabilities officer as a job because it is like 16 hours of work a week. I'm like, I will count this as a job. Um, but like, even so, like before I became disabilities officer, right up until February of last year, I was working two jobs. And I said to like, I was saying to people like, oh, I think I want to go. So I used to work at a cinema. I've been like, oh, I think I want to like start asking around like cinemas after, you know, like I finish up as disabilities officer so I can like go back and, you know, like start working, you know, in like, it's not exactly hospo, it's not exactly retail either. I don't know what I can classify it as, like somewhere in the middle. Um, but I'm like, yeah, you know, and I was talking to like, I'm not sure if either of you know Yolanda. I was talking to my friend. Yolanda. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to my friend Yolanda. My and, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they were like to me, why do you want to work at a cinema? That's like going from CEO to like first year level entry employee. And I was like, I just need to be on my feet. I need something with structure and I need something like I need to be busy all the time. Like, I need to be stimulated. Like, to be <laughs> literally. There's like always a fine line between being like understimulated and being overstimulated. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what I always struggle with because like um, even like with moderation. Getting, yeah, getting to do tasks. Sometimes I make myself a to-do list and then I get overwhelmed with the things that I have to do and then like I feel like defeated because it like stresses me out how overwhelmed I am with the tasks um yeah sorry what I would do so I do a lot of to-do lists all the fucking time because I need to like make sure that I feel competent (laughs) to make myself competent but like with to-do lists what I do is I put in like one or two like big things that I know I probably should get done um and every time I deviate from that I just write the new thing that I did that I spent my time on into the to-do list just so I can tick it off. Yes. Yep. And I think that really helps because like what I like is to be able to look through my to-do list at the end of the day and be like, I did things. I didn't just like sit around doing nothing. I did something. It's there, there's proof. And I think that really helps is just writing everything else you've done that day that you think is like, yeah, good, good yeah, job. That's yeah. Yeah. And another one that's like, another one that's like, along the lines of that that I kind of use is that like I'll write out a to-do list and like I always say to myself like I never have to do it in the order that it's written out even though like I usually will write it out in like some form of like priority order I usually won't do it in that order like yesterday for example I was like okay there's like a ton of shit I have to do but I was like all right well I feel like doing the washing up so I'm just going to do the washing up and then after that I was like I feel like having a shower I'm just going to have a shower you know and like yeah, I think that like that really helps as well because like I think something I really struggle with in terms of ADHD is like that, yeah, like that instant dopamine kind of thing is that like even if it's something that like like I will have a list of stuff that like objectively I don't want to do, if I can pick the thing off of that list that is like the thing I want to do the least, I will like do that even if it's not like the most productive thing. Like I don't know if that makes sense, but it helps me. Like the easy, I usually try to find the easiest thing. Like you do in like um, tests and stuff. You just find the easiest. Find the easiest task. Yeah. 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 So that you get your mojo back. (laughs) Instant gratification. There you go. You can do shit together. Back to my diagnosis story. I never actually got Oh my gosh. Okay. This is ADHD (laughs) in a nutshell. (laughs) 
not if this is I'm not just like sitting it, here like just it, like yeah stressed because I'm like, like we're never gonna hear about how I was diagnosed what about me <laughs> um, but like the reason why I sort of diagnosed it in the first place was because I had this like super I was getting ready to like sleep on a friend's couch like it was in the housing co-op um and then one of my friends decided to sit down and then we had a four-hour chat so I didn't sleep um and then at the end of our chat he's just like hey Kat I hope you don't take this the wrong way but you have ADHD and I'm like what the fuck do you mean <laughs> so it was sort of like a self-diagnosis but I got diagnosed by someone else just pointing a finger at me and going I'm calling it ADHD and I'm like what do you mean and he's like you definitely have trauma like that's indisputable but I don't think your trauma is related to some of the behaviors that you've mentioned because I thought I had BPD that was something that was brought up when I was younger but obviously like kids can't get diagnosed with BPD so I just kind of forgot about it until like recently when I was like I have a lot of trauma BPD because one of my close friends was diagnosed two of my close friends were diagnosed with it in like 2019 mm. But yeah, so ADHD. And I was like, that explains why ADHD memes are so relatable. Are like an attack on me. Um, <laughs> why do I feel hurt? <laughs> why do I feel like, oh, <laughs> this isn't just me, um, but it is just you. And also you have ADHD. I think that's the whole story of that. But because of that, I decided to do more research into it and like looked into symptoms. I went into all those like attitude tests like the online tests for ADHD in women and I did all of them and they were like bro you have like severe ADHD moderate to severe like you definitely have ADHD and I'm like what so I looked at the DSM-5 criteria I think if anyone is worried or like suspects they have something look at DSM-5 criteria see how much they relate to you and your past experiences and going like whoa fuck I had no idea that this was potentially an ADHD thing. And if a lot of this stuff resonates with you in the DSM-5 criteria, you probably have it. Um, and then I took that with me to my GP, who's a G, he's at the National Health Co-op and he's really good. He's the one good doctor there and I love him to bits. And everyone knows him, he's like a superstar. He's like my old Swedish grandpa that I never had because I'm not Swedish. Um, <laughs> But like I went to him was like I think I have ADHD one of my friends told me I have ADHD I really relate to the memes about ADHD I've looked at the DSM-5 criteria and they really resonate with me so he got me a referral with someone in Barrel and because it was a Zoom consult I actually got in there pretty quick like within a month um, and after the initial filled out a couple of questionnaires which I send to a lot of my friends who, who talk to me and they're like I think I have ADHD too and I'm like have a questionnaire <laughs> fill this out see if you go like oh dang this reminds me of this one time when I was a kid um and I recommend that they write it down because writing down things that you remember when doing out the questionnaire really helps with your appointment itself um and then at the end of the appointment he's like I know I haven't gotten your questionnaires back yet but let like I'm gonna write a letter to your GP right now because I want you on Dexy's ASAP that's exactly what he said <laughs> <laughs> I just need oh your medication. How have you lived like this? And what was interesting was a week before my initial appointment, actually, um, I was with my psychologist, who's a different person. And I mentioned to him that I thought that I'm 
going to seek a diagnosis for ADHD the next week. And he told me there's no way I could have ADHD because I'm in university. University is when no ADHD. ADHD. Uh, Can't um, study. And I'm like, hyperfixations are a thing. They're a very big thing in ADHD. Before um, we started recording, actually, we were talking about hyperfixation with online shopping. <laughs> yes, and like um, impulse buying. I feel like impulse buying and like struggling to manage your finances because of it um, is such a reality for people with ADHD or like neurodivergent people. Money doesn't feel real. Yeah. Also, if you have like, if you have like a hundred plus tabs on your like, on Google Chrome or something, then chances are you have some issue. You have some issue going on there. Yeah, there's something going on there. I think for me, when I do, I love that Google now, like Google Chrome now has like those groups. Mm. Like instead of tabs, you can have groups which act as big tabs. Yeah, and I love them because they make me feel like I don't have that many tabs open. <laughs> The other I have over hundred tabs on my phone, and each of them are all in like like seven plus to a hundred plus tabs within the. Oh groups. my god! I have like a hundred tabs bit in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> like a hundred tabs <laughs> open. One's playing music. I don't know where it's coming from. Like I'm just trying to like, <laughs> you know, it's just a mess up there. But you know, we get we get percent. Yeah. you've got so many tabs that you can't tell which one's for which and so you have to go into each of the tabs to try and figure out what they were for uh-huh. and then each time you go through them like I try to do a cleanse I'm just like no but this is important what if I forget about this existing <laughs> later on I need to keep it there to remind myself that it exists should we get into like niche fixations that we've been into recently <laughs> <Ooh>. I've <laughs> been like I've been looking into 18th century Vietnamese poetry um yeah and I was I'm like so wow, that. that's, that's hot really, yeah this shit is really interesting like there was a lot of like um it's like one of like the very um early ancient literature in like southeast asia that discussed about like sex work and stuff so Ooh. very like it was very progressive in, for like when it was written and for like the time it was written so yeah that's been my fixation <laughs> what about you cat anything um well like I had skating for a while but then I got my ankles surgeried so I can't go back to that but I'm thinking I'm getting back into that which is interesting because I never go back to hyperfixations. Mm. usually mine center around food there was this one time where I would go through a peanut butter a jar of peanut butter a day because <gasps> I just couldn't stop I was so obsessed with peanut butter I just kept going and I'm like I can't eat anything but peanut butter do you ever like do that but like you eat the same milk continuously like, until you get sick of it. Give it. Yeah. And then you have to have and to then you never touch it meal. again. Yeah. Yes, I you do never it. touch it again. That's so real. I do it really badly with music as well. Like music is the number one thing for me. I cannot listen to music like a normal person. I will just listen to like one or two songs on repeat for like a month and then like I ditch that song and I will never listen to it again. And then like I have to find a new song. And like the time in between me finding like a hyperfixation song is like the worst time I'm like I'm so sad at the moment if anyone's wondering my half fixation song is body bag by Chloe Moriondo um you should listen to it I love Chloe (laughs) I remember when she was like a baby queer on YouTube and like had the whole like sort of like mushroom frog aesthetic 
Yeah. The only mushroom frog aesthetic. She had like the big round glasses, very yeah. light academia. Um, yeah, my most recent hyperfixation has been looking at shoes and also sewing. Oh, sewing. All, my yeah. videos, <laughs> all my videos, like recommended videos on YouTube now are just sewing videos because I've been watching them nonstop. Yeah. Oh my God. I like, I kind of went back into my five seconds of summer One Direction phase. <laughs> I like forget how much like it was a big part of my life like 10 years ago. And like, I can recall so many songs off my heart without like having heard of them in like so, so long, which is crazy. Like I forget how much time I dedicated into like being like a One Direction fan or like listening to One Direction. Um, but it's been like a good source of like serotonin during this lockdown um, yeah. and like watching old One Direction videos and like, I don't know, seeing them grow up is crazy. Like we, uh, I don't know, feel like I've grown so much as a person, but like they also grew up with us, that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. That's when we were like early Taylor Swift, like at the beginning of this year, I, I had like, like a I massive really revisitation. Forgot. I had like yeah. a massive revisitation of early Taylor Swift, like not specifically like a newer Taylor Swift but like when I oh, like had my it. Taylor Swift phase I was like 10 or 11 or something like that <laughs> anyway and so it was very much the speak now red era and I had like a massive revival of like feel a speak now red at the start of this year which was like also very much brought on by the fact at the time I was living in a share house with like three girls who also love Taylor Swift but like yeah it was very much like the only thing, like, I know exactly what my Spotify wrapped is going to look like this year. Like, my number one artist is 100% going to be Taylor Swift because I was just listening to her so much at the start of this year. Just like a, re- oh like, a re- like a revival of that hyperfixation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, back to where you was, Chanel was saying something about, topic? like, remembering all the lyrics. What? Can we get, Can off, we topic? get off topic? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this is I'm a mess. Very, <laughs> I'm so blessed by the medication that I can sort of backtrack to parts of the conversation that I want to go back to. But I think that's also like part of ADHD is that just that you like really focus in on something that you really want to say. So you kind of blot out everything else everyone else is saying. Um, but I completely forgot what I was going to say. And then you mentioned um, Taylor Swift. And back when I was in year five, I would spend so much time with one of my friends and we would write down Taylor Swift lyrics onto, onto this book and jump on a jump on her um, trampoline at the back of a house and just scream shout Taylor Swift songs <laughs> every day. We did this every day. Um, so I remember everything from like, the Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift album. <laughs> I call it a Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift album because I think self-titled sounds stupid. Yeah, and it's just funnier stuff. to say Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift. Um, her original album, Speak Now, Fearless, those three were like my fucking jam. I had like- I had this whole dance choreographed with my brother. For, oh my God. Uh, oh my God. I had like this massive, sorry, you just revived like a core memory. I had like this <laughs> massive phase of like, yeah again when I was like maybe 10 or so of like choreographing dances to Taylor Swift there is a video (laughs) there is a video somewhere of me and like my three best friends at the time from like I think it was my 11th birthday like they'd all slept over for my 11th birthday of us doing like a choreographed dance to like we are never getting back together by Taylor Swift because it like just come out (laughs) 
That's so cute. You still have a video of that, surely. I will have to see if I can find it. I know, like, I know my friend Lucy has it somewhere. But anyway, um, and, you know, like, we... If Lucy is listening to this, please send it to us. Lucy does does listen to this. So, Lucy, if you're there, please send... Please, if you have the We Are Never Getting Back Together dance that we choreographed, please send it to me. Um, (laughs) I realise this is another like ADHD thing it's like never finishing conversations and just moving from topic to topic this is what we're doing right now I like really I have this Uh, whole thing with like people who like I can only this sounds so mean I'm not so something like really exposing myself but I can only be like really close friends with people who can like keep up with me not in like a like smarts way because I'm dumb but in like (laughs) But in, like, a just, like, topic change, if you can't, like, keep up with where my brain is going, then, like, we can't be friends because I can't slow down for you. I know that sounds really awful, but I just can't do it. Yeah. And, like, what's really interesting is a lot of people with ADHD gravitate towards other people with ADHD, but no one really talks about it. So when you go to a friend, like, oh, I just recently got diagnosed with ADHD, you're like, oh, I have it too. And then another friend would be like, me too. This one time, um, it was at a really cool um, queer doof thing. I think it was, yeah, it was Heavenly Bodies. Um, shout out to- DFI? Ono and, and Co. Cutie Pock, yeah. Um, and AFI. It was a really cool party, but like there was a group of us who just stayed outside for hours just talking about random shit and we would jump from topic to topic to topic to topic. And then at one point, one of them was just like, raise your hand if you have ADHD or a neurodivergent and everyone raised your hand. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, Yeah, I feel like I always definitely attract more neurodivergent friends or like acquaintances. Um, But I think like it, it's not a bad thing because like they kind of are up to your speed and up to your pace and like yeah. are kind of on the same page with you about um a lot of things and I guess understand you better and that yeah. that reminds me communication patterns yeah yeah you have because we all jump from topic to topic and everyone hates us for it so we found each other because we're like I don't hate you for this I'm on the same wavelength right yeah. now <laughs> that's the other thing I was going to ask about so like you just reminded me so like my best friend in like the whole world got diagnosed with ADHD as well which like we being new we were expecting that but um I'm sure she won't mind hello sorry my mum is attempting to FaceTime me um (laughs) um it's okay I will call her back um like if I don't name her I'm sure she won't mind me talking about this but she also got diagnosed around the same time with like BPD and I've had a lot of friends who like have both BPD and ADHD and I'm like it just made me think when you said that before, Kat, I'm wondering if there's like a correlation there or something like that because I've seen it happen like a lot, but yeah. So I just remembered something and I put it down just in case you wanted to talk more and I would forget about it. But I just <laughs> had a thought um, that like diagnose. I was thinking about like why diagnoses of ADHD are seen as such a bad thing and why being diagnosed is seen as a bad thing. And I think it's because like in terms of physical illness, like if you get diagnosed with something, it's usually like, oh, fuck, poor you. We found out something that actually means that you're, what you're experiencing could be worse or will be worse later down the line. Um, and I think that's really interesting because it sort of frames being diagnosed as the bad thing itself 
when actually the bad thing is the illness itself yeah you know? yeah and being diagnosed with the illness which is bad or like which could be improved and be less debilitating isn't necessarily a bad thing in and of itself because I was thinking like when you said that your friend got diagnosed I was like with cancer and I got really shocked and like really sad and that just reminded me that like physical diagnoses are often seen as a bad thing and so mental illnesses being diagnosed with them is often seen as a bad thing even though it can be very validating as well yeah that was just a random point I wanted to add to that thing yeah what was interesting as well with medication in addition to like knowing internally that it's helping and being able to like get things done I've never had a like fully finished to-do list before but ever since medication my to-do list have been fully checked out and I'm so proud of them oh I'm proud of you but they have the potential to do that now and I'm like I'm not afraid to make to-do lists anymore because I know that I could probably get some most of it done if not all of it and that's been really helpful but also like talking to friends like the week after I started meds I'm not on meds today so there you go (laughs) and mine's like the slow act mine's the fast acting one so it usually goes off which is why I'm a little bit jittery right now is because I'm just me being me wearing more jittery than normal just because I think meds help regulate me so now I know what normal me could feel like and this doesn't feel normal anymore but regardless of that like where was I going with this at a brain thought at a brain pattern um, it's always like this you always forget what you say and uh you get so like in like in your head about explaining things as well um did we go to the stuff that people asked us oh yes so we got a few comments um mainly centered around executive function or executive dysfunction so um a part of adhd we should probably also talk a little bit briefly about what ADHD is. So ADHD is um, <laughs> attention deficit hyperactive disorder or something like that, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it can also be known as ADD, but ADD usually refers to just being inattentive and yeah. a lack of the hyperactive part. So it usually refers to one of the two types of ADHD. So there's hyperactive, actually there's three types. There's three, yeah, there's hyperactive. hyperactive. Inattentive and hyperactive and inattentive, which is combined. Yeah. It's called the combined type. I'm the combined Um, type, if people couldn't. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What about you? Sorry, I have like um, questions on Instagram as well, if you guys want to into them. Uh, What was the question? What type of ADHD do you have? Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't know. I'm definitely just ADHD. Like I'm definitely hyperactive and like attention deficient. So Based. yeah, yeah. Base queen. Combined. I need to a lot stop of people... saying that. I do that to get out yeah. of my vocabulary. Um, a lot of people, especially AFAB people, tend to be more um combined slash inattentive. Um, Male presenting people tend to be diagnosed with just general hyperactivity because the hyperactivity in guys tends to um, socially be more Except evident. Like, oh, yeah. They, yeah, because they're more disruptive in class, blah, blah, blah. Um, but hyperactivity can also happen within. So a lot of the times when you experience hyperactivity, 
it can be like the noise in your brain. Like there's so much thoughts just running around, feeling restless, having insomnia. Yeah, speedy thoughts, um, needing to do something with your hands, do something with your time. A lot of people with ADHD find it hard to focus in on one thing at a time and be able to just zone in. But when they do zone in, it's usually because of um, hyperfocus. And so they just stay zoned in to that thing for way too long, like for hours, for days, for months, whatever. They just focus in on one thing and just don't let it go. And then when they do let it go, they just let it go completely. It's a lot of like, um, we have a lot of troubles with moderation regulation and just regulation of things. Um, so I usually tell like people that we operate either at a zero percent or a hundred percent. We're either all in or nothing. Yeah, it's very <laughs> like, hard. We go um, also, I find that like a lot of ADHD people, ADHD people, just look tired because they're like chronically overwhelmed and like. Yeah, like so, so many little things stress me out or like feel so like, just like daily little tasks. Like I, I literally didn't moisturize my skin because I was just like, this is, this is too much. Like I can't handle this right now. Um, yeah, that's such a random thought, lol. <laughs> no, I 100% get that. really easily. Yeah, I like, on like a similar note to that, I guess, like, well, A, the idea of a skincare routine is so overwhelming to me. Like, I just cannot, mm-hmm. I cannot think about a skincare routine. I'm like, and like my roommate works at like Mecca. So she's always like, you're a heathen, um, develop a skincare routine. And I'm like, no. Um, but the other thing with that is like, I don't know if this is like a massively relatable thing, but I have to put like every little like, I guess like self-care thing in my to-do list. Otherwise I will forget to do it. Like I literally have to be like, like I remember someone making fun of this when I was in high school because like I did this back when I was in high school and I like before I even thought I had ADHD where I like I had to write a to-do list that was literally like get up, make bed, brush hair, brush teeth, get dressed. Like I did that too. Yeah and like I don't know if that's like a super because like if I didn't put one of those things on it I would legitimately just forget to do it even though like it should be you know like like a lot of people think it should be like muscle memory I guess but I think a good thing for like ADHD management is seeing like how you tackle those big tasks is like by breaking them down into smaller tasks and like it's like opening a folder and then like the folder has like all these other things in it yeah yeah Yeah. like subcategories you needed me before and then it feels like less overwhelming like what I like to do with assignments, especially essays, is I write down at least five plan essay plans just to get my head around it. Like one of the essay plans will be um, a ske- bo- bare bone skeleton structure just so that I know the word distribution. And then I'll do another one which just has like the citations for random things that I randomly Googled that are sort of related and writing down the main points from them just so that I have an idea of which one I can reference whenever I mention something random that came out of my head and be like yeah this is a good reference (laughs) and then writing a few more just putting in bullet points I think writing in bullet points before writing the real thing helps because you can just copy paste the bullet points get rid of the bullet points themselves and boom you have an essay that's what I do yeah if it reads badly that's okay because usually it actually ends up reading pretty well but I usually miss the mark on answering the actual question but that's besides <laughs> um, not we all yeah. 
there what was really interesting is like when I first found out that like ADHD is likely because um people with ADHD or the brain patterns of having ADHD are very similar to being a hunter-gatherer so I talked about this with my partner recently as well and sort of the hunter-gatherer mindset is that you need to be on your feet all the time you have to be aware of so many things at the same time and that's why we focus on so many things and are easily overwhelmed is because we just need to get things done all at the same time and it's hard for us to do one thing by one thing by one thing to be able to prioritize in a setting that isn't like oh we get to relax I haven't I hadn't actually thought about it like that but that would also explain why like I'm someone who's very good with like crisis management like not to like toot my own horn or anything like that but I'm someone who like like in my experience like someone people come to in like you know like oh my god like I'm so overwhelmed I have no idea what to do in this like emergency situation and I'm very good at like okay we need to do like xyz you know like in like this order and like this will fix the problem and I never really thought about that before yeah yeah that would kind of explain that yeah and the reason why we have such short-term thinking as well is because if you're a hunter-gatherer your life is always on the line and you could die at literally any point (laughs) our brains aren't meant to function or function in a space where you have a long time to do things because Mm -hmm. a lot of it comes from having to do everything within a short period of time which is also why hospitality is such an easy industry to do well in and to excel in if you have ADHD it's just because like you just gotta be like everywhere at the same time on board yeah um should I read out a question? Okay. Yes. Let's go okay. ahead. How does ADHD affect relationships and how should the spouse or partner help deal with it or help deal slash help with it? Mm. Kat, I feel you like might have a bit more insight into this than me. Because <laughs> I have a partner. Yes. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I feel like it can be any relationship in general, just like yeah. clear like with communication friends. with them and like understanding okay what like what are the impacts of their their diagnosis and like yeah. I guess just like understanding or listening out to them like giving them like your Support. time of day and actually like just hearing them out is like yeah. the most important thing I think another important thing is like from a parental perspective, if like someone's a parent and their kid has ADHD, also people with ADHD, like ADHD is genetic. So likelihood is if you have ADHD, one of your parents Parents also has ADHD. Yeah. (laughs) My- I've been told, I I said that to my mom. I said that to my mom when she was saying that like that ADHD checklist that she was reading about sounded relatable. I was like, well, (laughs) I hate to be the bearer Um, of that use but (laughs) yeah miss girl um but like in terms of parenting I think what's really easy or like within a sort of authoritative role with dealing with someone who has ADHD dealing quote-unquote with someone who has ADHD is don't give them a huge list to do at once give them one thing to do and give them a time frame I think if you give someone a time if someone with ADHD a short time frame they're more likely to do it and also, if you just give them one thing at a time, or like very minimal things, or at least write it out and then pass them the list of here, these are the things you need to do. And these are the deadlines I need you to finish them by. Mm-hmm. It becomes a lot easier for them because 
if you give them a huge list and it's all verbal, they're only going to remember the last thing or the first thing. They're never going to remember the whole list. Um, and by giving them deadlines, you're more likely to do it because if you give them a long period of time, they'll just forget about it. They'll forget it exists. They might forget you exist. I think what's really good is with relationships like friends or family or partners, make sure they know that you exist still, which is a yeah. weird thing to say, but like a lot of people with ADHD, like I forget people exist if they don't message me. No, I'm the same. <laughs> The other thing I was going to say. that makes me feel like a bad friend. <laughs> no, the other thing, yeah, no, 100%. If anyone who is listening to this is a friend of mine who I haven't messaged back in like six months, I'm sorry. I do love you. I just sometimes forget people exist. Um, yeah. But the other thing I was going to say is I kind of wanted you to answer this question or like other people to answer this question because this is something that I still kind of struggle with a lot. Like, like I don't know, like I do, like I find it really hard to let the people I like love and care about I guess kind of help me with my ADHD because I'm very much the sort of person who's like I will fix it I will be in control like yeah I guess I, I guess that yeah it's not healthy and I'm working on it but like you know I struggle a lot with like masking especially with people who are like close to me and I'm like I must not show ADHD symptoms yeah so I, I, I don't have any good advice on this question no, it's okay. to say I feel that like I'm still working on it. <laughs> like nobody's perfect. I feel like I haven't, ha I don't have it fully figured out yet, but I'm still in the process of learning. And yeah. um, like, obviously I can only speak on my experience about it. Um, but yeah, I think just like being aware of like their habits um, is definitely a thing. I feel like also when you mentioned about friends earlier, um, I have a habit of answering the texts in my head and not actually like like physically texting them. Mm -hmm. So I like I don't know why. It's just like something that I I'm like am if I see like, it, it's dealt with. Yeah, if I see it, I'm just like, oh yeah, like I, I can just like res I respond in my head, but I actually don't type it out. And like that's yeah. not how you communicate with someone. <laughs> what I usually do is I just leave them on unread so that I can until I know I can deal with it straight away. Yeah, um, which no, is why like a lot of my well. messages are left unread. I'm like, but it makes well me panic funny. because I'm like, what if they see me being active and they know I'm there, but I'm not really there? And I think it's as someone with ADHD, it's important to like remind yourself that you don't owe anyone shit. And also, just as friends, being mindful of the fact that people with ADHD are likely to forget a lot of things, and also giving them the space to be late as well to things because. I find that if I can't be on time for something, which I usually am not, I just won't turn up because I'm like, I can't be late because then I've missed the whole thing basically. And there's no point to me being there and just sort of encouraging them. I think like, I don't have a lot of advice in this regard. I'm just thinking of things that I struggle with and going like, here's how you can help, help me with the things I struggle with. Um, but like, I struggle with doing things when I'm not there at a certain time. And so I just don't do it. And just being encouraging of people, like if you notice that your friend with ADHD is running late to something and you know that being late gives them a lot of anxiety, you could just mention like, oh, don't worry, there's not a lot of people here or like there's not a lot of people here yet or like something yeah. like along those lines to make them feel like, oh, I can still come. I'm not late. And trying to remind them that they're not late 
it's better to be there than not there sort of yeah. thing and they just want you you just want them there for however long they can be there and I think that's really important is validating that they will be late people with ADHD <laughs> will be late because of time blindness which is why I like whenever I get ready for something I usually try to like get ready for it at the start of the day so like at 9 a.m I'll get ready for the thing that's at like 9 p.m because if I don't then I'm definitely going to be late yeah the other thing I was going to say is does anyone else like do that thing of like working backwards with like time so like if I've got something to do at like say I've got like a dinner that's at seven I'll be like okay the dinner's at seven it's in the city which means I have to leave at like 6 45 which means that like I have to be ready at like you, you know like 6 45 <laughs> which means I have to be in the shower at 5 45 which means I have to be done with everything else by 5 30 which means I have to be you know like leaving work at five like yeah anyway does anyone else do that yeah yeah I sometimes I'm just like, yeah, like when you have one thing scheduled for the day, sometimes your mind can't even focus on anything else other than getting that to that one place. Mm. Like, yeah. Um, this it's question was about how partners deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess like uh, I was just going to jump back to that question. Sorry. Um, um, my experience with like trying to navigate like, I guess in like a family household situation, it's like my parents are very like, same as Jules Cat, like very authoritarian, mm-hmm. very micromanaging on me. And I feel like just communicating with them about like what um, overwhelms you is like a very, like very hard process, especially if they kind of have like a conservative mindset, but like it's something that like slowly needs to build, be built upon because I think it like, they'll understand you a bit more um, after you communicate your feelings with them. You can't just like assume that they'll guess because you're not like your physical behavior is not enough of like evidence for them, you know? I don't know. (laughs) I guess sort of like as the part, as the role of the partner slash friend slash family, making sure that you're, keeping that space open for them to come to you and to be able to openly communicate and making sure it's a comfortable and safe space for them to do so and also just understanding that like if the if you're talking to them and you think they're not paying attention it's likely not that they're not trying to not pay attention they're really trying they're most likely trying to pay attention like my mom told me recently because I was like didn't you realize when I was younger and you would scold me because I wasn't listening to you that I was actually trying to listen to you but it was just really hard for me because you wouldn't let me like you'll say one thing for me to do and I'll be like okay I'll go do it now so that I don't forget and then you go no you need to stay here so that I can go through this entire list of things you need to do I'm like I'm not going to be able to remember them I'm like don't you find that strange don't you think that's pretty ADHD of me um and she mentioned that she thought it was because English isn't her first language and her English was wrong, or that I was trying to rebel in any way. I think it's understanding that ADHD, people with ADHD doing ADHD things is not an attack on you. And it's not because they don't care about you. Like if they forget about you, if they forget to reply, et cetera, it's not an attack on you, but it's more so that they just have a condition where they just forgot, they forget things. Um, also I think as a partner making sure that you help them establish zones for certain things 
because people with ADHD like having piles of things, but all the piles are semi-related, except you forget what the piles are. So making sure that wherever they put their piles of things, like their keys or something, because we forget things a lot and we forget to bring them when we go out, making sure that the piles are in places that make sense and helping them define those piles. So like for me, what I do is I really like keeping my house card because I'm so scared of losing my house card and then having to pay for another one um, in my bum bag. And it's just always in my bum bag. And if they put something somewhere and they put it, put it somewhere else and you happen to notice that they put it somewhere different, reminding them that they put it somewhere different. Writing things down helps as well if you need to communicate anything. It's just writing it, passing it to them or sending via text and putting um, a word next to it, which would make it easier for them to like go back to in conversation. So like, I like using the search in chat function just to find things where I'm just like, I remember there was something there, but I can't remember what it is. And then being able to put something, I just taught myself, this is brilliant. This is genius. It's just coming out of my head now. But like every time you need them to remember something, putting in, in caps or something, reminder next to it so that when they look back into your search, like into your chat, chat, whatever, um, they can do the searching conversation function and just write reminder. And then they can see all the reminders that they need to do. That's so fun. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> um, I went on a train. And this is brilliant. I'm going to tell my partner about this later because this is a really smart thing to do. <laughs> yeah. What yeah, I'm smart. Um, I have another question. Um, it would be cool to hear about struggles of being, being creative and having ADHD. I feel like most ADHD people I know are creative in some sense. Um, and I feel like... For me personally, I always delve into one creative niche and hyperfixate on it and then never Not get good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I never get good at it because I already move on to another thing. Like the vanity wears so quickly for me. And I'm just like, oh, I, I can never get good at one single hobby or one single like creative task because I'm like so occupied with getting onto um other things so like I guess that's like my biggest struggle for yeah. me personally it's very jack of all trades master of none, none vibes and yeah ADHD people really need big dopamine rushes to get to get through anything um that's why we take medication which gives us free dopamine <laughs> or makes it easier for us to get dopamine but I think that's also one of the big things with that is that when you start something out, you want to be the best at it so that you can feel immediately accomplished. And if you don't get that instant gratification from it, then you're like, why the fuck am I even trying? It will take me years before I become, get to a stage where I can be gratified and like feel like I'm actually good at anything. And so you quit. <laughs> it's, yeah, a lot of people with ADHD are very creative people. I think also because a lot of like art and craft at least, involve a lot of like using your hands. And so it gives you something to do with your hands. It's why I picked up knitting because I can do it in front of the TV and it gives my hands something to do. Yeah, um, knitting is such a good one. Knitting is a good one. I can't do crocheting because I feel like I have to pay more attention to attention it. Attention to I get annoyed it, with that. yeah. <laughs> but knitting, I'm like, I'm just gonna make a scarf <laughs> because I can just do a one long rectangle and call it quits. 
but the act of knitting is better for me than actual knitting and I think like creative pursuits is a hard thing um the longest one I ever had was drawing drawing is what like art like painting and stuff is really something that I love and I think it's easy to do at any point I think with creative pursuits if you want to try and like maintain it and maintain interest it helps if you look at different ways of doing the same thing or different stuff involving the same thing so that you, you think of it as as a different thing all entirely trying to trick your brain into thinking you're doing multiple creative pursuits it's really just the one thing you're just doing different skills within the one thing that it sort of helps you like if you get tired or like bored with DJing and you're like shit I don't want to be bored with this I want to keep going maybe look into like production of music and then that can pipe back your interest into DJing itself because music production is very similar and so that you can feed more skills into the same thing yeah and it will make your DJing a lot better just by doing something sort of adjacent so doing very very adjacent or acute things that are sort of related helps the main thing that also helps with assignments is doing a bunch of little things as procrastination that's how I've been procrastinating um recently it's just doing a bunch of things which are semi-related to the general pursuit of education and my assignments and not actually attacking my assignment at all and then when I structuring my degree plan every five minutes yes but it makes you feel productive and it keeps your mindset in the same space so that it's easier to get back into the assignment when you feel like you're ready. Um, questions really here. on what are your bad coping mechanisms? Oh God. <laughs> Drugs. Anyway. <laughs> Alcohol. Um. I sleep way too much. I hate waking up. And whenever I wake up, I get really overwhelmed with the thought of waking up because I'm like, there are so many things I could do, but there's so many things that I might not do. And I would feel super unaccomplished if I even tried to do them. So then I just try to stay in bed as long as I can. That's really unproductive. Yeah. It makes me feel guilty and it's cyclical. I have the opposite problem. I think one of my like worst coping mechanisms is the fact that I need to be doing like 10,000 things at once to like, you know, kind of that too. focus in any capacity whatsoever. Like it's just like, I've come to the realization lately that it's just been to the absolute detriment of my mental health and, you know, like my kind of education and everything like that. I'm like, well, I did the best I could for a while there, but I think something has got to give here. Yeah. But you know, also alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> alcohol. Like one of my worst coping mechanisms is like um being in the same three apps just for like like hours on end. Like TikTok, yeah. Instagram, and then Facebook, and then just like rotating around each of them just because like just because yeah like, I don't know why. I think it's like probably something to do with attention and stuff. I guess like your brain is getting like stimulation from like interacting and having like positive interactions online but yeah that's like one of my worst coping mechanisms just like being addicted to my phone (laughs) I think this is not a coping mechanism but um whenever I hyperfixate I hyperfixate to it to the thing to the point 
of detriment to everything else in my life. So like, I won't shower, I won't eat, I won't sleep until I get the thing done. Some, a lot of the times this is TV series. So I'll finish like an entire, like no, three I'm like that. seasons in a go without sleeping, without eating, without anything, because I just can't, I can't let it go. Um, and another bad thing is that I attach a lot of my, like managing my feelings of being overwhelmed to very physical objects. So if I think that I've lost the object or I've misplaced it somehow, I get really overwhelmed. I have a panic attack and then I spiral really badly. This, ha this happened um, in Perth when I visited my parents um, and I thought I lost my bracelet. That like, it was the one that I got before this one. So this is the second one. I'm gonna have a third one soon. Um, but it was the first one and I thought I lost it and I was completely fine beforehand. Like I was gonna go out shopping with my parents and I was gonna be happy, um, but I couldn't find it. And I started panicking and I started crying out of nowhere. And my dad got really upset. And I'm just like, I just can't go out right now. I have to like curl up into a small bowl and not talk to anyone. Um, and then when I put on my pajama shirt, so, I was I already got dressed to go out I took it off put on my pajama shirt and it was in my pajama shirt this entire time I searched the house for an hour crying to try and find it and I couldn't so I think having these sort of stimulating um objects has been sort of detrimental because I forget where I leave them and that stresses me out yeah um what are burnout management tips I feel like self-care is an important one. I love just like, like not looking at the time and just like taking ages on like doing skincare or like moisturizing my hands, doing a face mask, like having a nice like shower or like deep cleaning my drawers, like <laughs> just random stuff in my drawers. Um, I think that's like a good way for me on that. Like, that's at least how I deal with burnout. Yeah. Um we actually had an episode on burnout, I think. It was the last one we did. We did before so, break, yeah. Yeah, so if anyone wants to listen to that for more tips, go there, find yeah. our strategies. But in general, with burnout, with ADHD, I think the best thing for me was reminding myself that I don't need to get everything done all the time, that it's okay to give myself time to just relax. Hmm. Um, and sort of reinforcing that, just because I didn't accomplish as much as I wanted to doesn't mean I'm a failure. Because I yeah. think guilt is a really big part of ADHD as well. And it can feed into a whole sort of unhealthy habits. But reminding yourself that it's okay to have flaws. It's okay to not be the best at everything from the get-go is really important as well. Yeah. I have a very like ADHD-specific burnout coping mechanism. And I don't know if it'll make sense, but I tend to schedule like all of my time so that I have the ability to drop stuff when needed, because like something I really struggle with with burnout is just not being able to tell when it's going to hit at all. Like it's I know that's like pretty common with burnout, but like I will be like like legit fine one day and then the next day it's just like psych, actually you can't do anything now. And so like I tend to have all of these like something that really helps me is having all of these like I guess like what's the word 
procedures in place I guess if like burnout was to hit like any random day that I could just drop 90% of the stuff that I have to do without very little consequence and like yeah sometimes it is you know like I've got an automated email that you know sits in my email drafts should I have to like miss a tutorial with like my EAP explaining what's happened you know and you know like same thing for like my work you know and stuff like that should I like need to drop something because of burnout And I think it's like that flexibility leaves me feeling a lot more secure about like, because like, that's something I really struggle with. Like you can't schedule burnout, right? Like that's something I learned the hard way. Like I tried really, really hard to like, I think we talked about this last episode, it's like schedule my burnout. And I just learned that it just doesn't work. And so I guess. You be well equipped for when it does happen. Yeah. Is like probably my best advice is like, I guess, you know, like say if, you know, like I was to get like, I'm gonna be honest I just had a period of being like super burnt out and like I took a week off of like you know my like I took a week of leave from disabilities association but you know like I also took like a week off everything and just didn't do anything and then that kind of extended over into like the second week of break because I didn't realize how burnt out I was and you know like being able to like drop those um yeah like those last minute I guess responsibilities, you know, and being able to be like, hey, actually, like I'm struggling with my mental health or I'm struggling with my reoccurring condition, as professors like to hear, um, is very helpful for me. Also, yes, we have been talking for a very long time. <laughs> I feel like we should probably wrap up. I need to go and eat my dinner. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just a little bit off that, being able to give yourself buffer zones to complete any task mm. is really important. Um, just to ensure that you have that space and you have that time to be like, okay, I can take however much time I need off because I can do finish the rest of it at this time that I've also scheduled. And Sinead also mentioned last episode um, about scheduling like free time just to, or like making sure that you have scheduled free time in to ensure that like you break up things that could potentially burn you out and so you're not constantly overwhelmed with one thing to prevent the burnout from happening in the first place just giving yourself little pockets of like here burnout here it's not really scheduled burnouts but it's like preventative for burnouts yeah yeah so we sort of we'll wrap up here um we are doing a part two so if anyone's got any questions anyway we can just stay tuned for more adhd content (laughs) We love going off topic, but yeah, thank you so much, Chanel. It's all good. (laughs) Thank you for having me.